We all have privilege. Privilege is not a bad word. Use privilege for, to help other people. The bad word is entitlement. Mm. Privilege is something that we are given or handed because of who we are, where we are, circumstances. Entitlement is something you go out and try to get yourself, that you procure yourself. And you have to be, you have to work hard to be entitled. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, privilege, we all have it. I have, you and I have a privilege. We get to stand up right now and walk across the room. Absolutely. That's privilege. That's amazing privilege. Yes. So very true. I'm Amy Porterfield, ex-corporate girl turned CEO of a multi-seven-figure business. But it wasn't all that long ago that I lacked the confidence, the budget, and the time to focus on growing my small but mighty business. Fast forward past many failed attempts and lessons learned, and you'll see the business I have today. One that changes lives and gives me more freedom than I ever thought possible. One that used to only exist as a daydream. I created the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies to help you do the same. If you're an ambitious entrepreneur or one in the making who's looking to create a business that makes an impact and a life you love, you're in the right place, friend. Let's get started. Hey there, Arlen. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So glad that you are here. I have been a fan of yours for a while now, and I wanted to get you on the show. So this is a good day. And I thought that we could kind of start at the top, if you're cool with that. Sure. My brand voice guide is my business's North Star when it comes to keeping all my business content and marketing content clear, consistent, and inviting. That's why I created the Brand Voice Guide Outline You Wish You Had Sooner, which is a free resource to help your business experience the same as mine. So all you have to do is plug in your business details into the given outline that I've created that has all the essential components of a brand voice guide. So you don't even have to pay to get it created like I did. You can plug in your information and you'll be well on your way to having a cohesive voice across all brand assets. And I've even shared my own brand voice guide with you so you can use it as a reference as you craft your own. It's like having a mentor right by your side. So go to amyporterfield.com forward slash voice guide to grab your copy of the brand voice guide outline you wish you had sooner. And I can promise you, you're going to elevate your brand instantly. That's amyporterfield.com forward slash voice guide. You've built a successful venture capitalist firm, and that's allowed you to marry your passion for entrepreneurship and activism. So could you share a little bit about your journey to becoming a venture capitalist? Quite honestly, I don't know anyone who does what you do. So I'm really curious about you sharing your story and some of the accomplishments that you're most proud of. Yeah, well, I am a venture capitalist, but I'm definitely not a traditional one. Right. So even knowing me, you you might be surprised if you met other venture capitalists because they're a little different. Yeah, <laughs> um, definitely had a different path here, and I represent uh, a lot of different people who are, who are traditionally not seen in the venture capital space. So, I am 41. I'm a black queer woman uh, from the South, and. A decade ago, I didn't know what a venture capitalist was at all or wow. what, the, what the whole world was like. I thought it was like this place on Wall Street. <laughs> you know, I was like, okay, it sounds like it's money related somewhere. Sounds very fancy. Yeah, it sounds fancy. <laughs> and it sounds like something I would never, ever be part of because I am at the time I was I had like a negative bank account balance. I had housing insecurity for most of my life including, you know, up until that point and had been on and off of food stamps. And it was just, I had big goals and dreams for myself for sure. And I was very confident in myself, but I had no, I never thought I would be venture capital that would get me somewhere. Right. Um, Cause it just seemed like, I mean, when I looked at pictures and started learning about it, I saw person after person was a, usually a white male, usually, you know, right out of college, strapping guy or like, you know, gray haired and had been there and there, his father had been there before him and et cetera, et cetera. And, 
it was the reason I got into it to begin with was because I was actually trying to start a comp- another company. So I had been an entrepreneur my whole life, starting in the third grade uh, with my candy company, and <laughs> and I just had the bug, you know, very early on. I know many people can relate to that, and hadn't had a lot of success. Like I, I felt proud of a lot of things that I'd done, but financially. It just hadn't worked out up until that point. And I started really uh, discovering Silicon Valley in this kind of mystical, mythical place where um, tech companies were coming out of. And I was like, what's what's a tech company? What's a startup? And I came to understand, oh, that's Twitter and that's Apple and Google. The things that I use every day started somewhere, you know, and and, and that became really interesting to me. And I saw... I had worked my way up to working with um, internationally acclaimed musicians as a production coordinator in a lot of different um, ways. So Jason Derulo, Tony Braxton, I had spent 18 years since I was 13 years old finding my way to working with them because I was so enamored by a Janet Jackson concert that I went to at 13. So I knew I wanted to work on the road. So I had found my way there. It's a, it's a slog, you know, just like any other job. It it was like a lot of hard work, but cool, you know, for that 45 minutes on stage, it was a real, like the coolest thing ever. But I was hearing them, the artists and their managers, they were talking about making investments in Silicon Valley. And so while they, they probably had no idea I was paying attention to that. I was just kind of doing things like I was supposed to, but I was listening And the more I listened, the more I said, okay, startups, and then there's investors. And then I thought, well, I can probably start a tech startup. And that might be my, the next part of my journey that will actually be successful. So I originally, and I don't say this often, but I originally wanted to start a dating website called Juliet and Juliet for uh, women who date women. I had started a prototype and it had gone really well. So I thought, I want to do this on a big level. I want to raise money for it. I'm going to raise millions of dollars, and I'm going to make this huge. And that's when I started researching. I didn't know that part of your story at all. So that's just fascinating in and of itself. We got to come back to the Janet Jackson thing, okay? Okay. That was really cool. I I saw what happened with that, and I want to talk about it. But So don't let me forget. But when you and I first met, uh, we got on a phone. I got to learn more about you, and you told me this story about um, this woman that was helping you. And it was like, almost like you didn't have a bank account or something. (laughs) It was a wild story though. Will you retell it? Yeah. Well, I had gone from thinking about it and learning about it, studying for, you know, years to trying to raise a fund then, because I, when I, what I researched was that 90% of all venture funding was going to white men. And I just didn't think that was fair. So I was like, that doesn't make sense. And also what a great opportunity to try to invest in others. Right. So I started raising this fund again, no money, um, really, really bad situation. And I found my way to Silicon Valley, found my way to San Francisco Bay area and uh, Silicon Valley area. And over a few weeks, I met this woman named Susan Kimberlin, who's just awesome, who's an awesome angel investor. And we got to know each other, started talking. And over a few weeks, she's like, yeah, I'll invest in you. It was a big, huge, huge moment. Um, And then she went to invest the $25,000 that was going to be this like first check I've ever had, more money than I've ever seen before in one place. And I sent her the information to send the to send the wire, and she calls me that night, and she's like, "I can't send this to you." And I'm like, "Why? What happened? What happened between lunch and now?" She said, "This looks like like a personal uh, bank account for is it your mom?" <laughs> <laughs> and it was what I had access to. I was my oh, mom's my personal bank account, and I was like. Oh yeah, that's how that's how I that's what I have access to. I didn't have a bank account, and I did, it was my mom's personal one, and I was going to take it and and start a new account and and go off. But she was like, "Uh, uh-uh. <laughs> I don't know you from Adam." Like before the last few weeks, let's start over. You know, so, when she tells the story, story, she was she says she was so surprised because the very next day I went out and got a business bank account, and she said she. That was part of her calculus when she thought later to then go ahead and invest because I, I didn't know it. I didn't know what what fork to use at the dinner party, but once I knew it, I figured it out and I did it and executed it on it. 
I love that. I recently told a story of I was bidding for my first NFT and I did all the research. I did, read all the stuff, listened to all the podcasts. But until you're in it, until you do it, you don't know what you don't know. Yep. And so until you're like, great, give me the money. And then she's like, ah, uh, this isn't really how we do it. You wouldn't know those things. Yeah. And so it just yeah. really says a lot about getting in the game, like doing something, making it work. So I love that story so much. Yeah. It just says so much about who you are and where you came from. And, and you're a hustler. And I absolutely love that about you. So uh, I want you to tell me before we go on, what are some of the really cool things you've been able to do since starting this entire venture capitalist business that you have? Yeah, it's nice to like take a breath and think about that. Right? Well, one of them I have to say I'm very proud of is that um, uh, there's a there's a magazine called Fast Company, and Fast Company is like a business magazine, a tech magazine, huge and for my listeners. Yeah, yeah. So Fast Company is awesome. It was my favorite magazine. Like I would go, couldn't even afford to buy one because they're like seven ninety nine or something, and I would read them in the store because wow. I love them so much. I was on the cover of Fast Company. And Come on. And not only was I on the cover, but I was the first non-celebrity black woman to be on the cover. The other black women who were celebrities to be on the cover were Oprah, Beyonce, and Serena Williams. Okay. So how do you even <laughs> sleep at night? Like, come on. That's so that, insane. That was the coolest thing ever. And it was, it was, it was uh, October 2018. And I was flying a lot at that point because I had, you know, I kind of kicked things off with that first investment from Susan who did come back in September of 2015. So three years later, I'm on the cover of that magazine and I was flying everywhere. So every time I would land, I would just walk past rows of my face. <laughs> imagine. I it was so imagine. fun. And I would go into the, go into the stores at the, at the, if I had time and yeah. I would pick up two or three copies and I would just take it to the front. And usually like, especially if it was a black woman, yeah. I would just wait and just watch them kind of do a double take because it was, you know, I had my makeup and my brows were on fleek yeah. and everything. Um, <laughs> but I would make the, I would see them do this double take. And usually if it was a black woman, she would call over anybody she could find and just start you know, jumping up. And like, Come it on. was so cool and moving. And I thought that is different. And I found out that um, from the, from the editor of Fast Company, I found out that my, Issue sold better than the um, SoftBank's um, uh, GP. So the the owner of SoftBank Ventures, which is like a hundred billion dollar company, his he's a he's she's very adorable. I think he's a great guy, but 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 it sold better because people were looking for that diversity and looking for themselves in that, yes. in that magazine. Absolutely, so that's one. And and, that's and we it. also just recently announced that we reached two hundred companies invested in. 200. So 200 in 2014, while I was home, while I was li living out of a hotel, I said, I'm going to, um, with my mom, you know, like a motel kind of thing. I said, I'm going to invest in a hundred companies by 2020 and people thought I was crazy when I t would ever mention it. Cause I didn't have any money. And as we know now, no bank account. <laughs> so we reached 100 in 2018 and then that same, you know, just a few months before Fast Company, that's why I was on the cover. And then we reached 200 in 2022. Whoa. Congratulations. You know, speaking of your mom, you, well, I want, I have this question for you about your mom, but before that, I don't understand how you're living in a motel, you don't have a bank account and you don't have any money and you think that you're going to uh, invest in a hundred companies. Like, where does that even come from? I knew it. I saw. I saw it. I saw it ahead of me. I knew it had to exist. It, it was. Just I, I don't know a better way of describing. Like I saw it. I, I remember I was pacing in the in the uh, parking lot of that hotel uh, in Pearland. It was like a, a comfort inn or something in Pearland. Uh, shout out to Manny who let us stay there sometimes when we couldn't pay. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I will go back to him. Manny, um, love you. But I remember pacing in the parking lot, and I was like. You don't even, like, I was hungry. I was like, you don't even have lunch. You don't even have lunch. What are you doing? What are you trying? And I did this exercise. And I said, and I don't know where it came from, but I just thought of it. And I said, okay, close your eyes. Like to myself, I said, close your eyes and imagine the world in five years without backstage capital. 
we're imagine imagine the world are you okay with it and i close my eyes and i imagine it didn't ever happen and my eyes shot open and i said no way no way can that be the case so from that moment on i was like i don't care what people say i don't care what anybody says i don't care what what doubt creeps into my own mind i'm going for this i'm going for it like what are we here for if not to go for the things that we believe in and dream of and I just, I knew that it was realistically um, not very, like the odds were not in my favor. Okay. But so I also didn't knew know that. It wasn't like you were like, easy. I got this. No way. Okay. No way that I think it was going to be easy. Okay. I just thought I have to figure out how to make it happen, though it is going to be difficult. And it, because it was going to be so worth it if I could make it happen. So I just like, like, one foot in front of the other. And I mean, all of this through not just the difficulties of starting a major business or something as big as what we're doing, but also like the little, I call them paper cuts, you know, the little microaggressions, the little things that came out that people will never hear about because they were so nuanced. And it's like that insult to injury. And that I remember when I first started, like when in that same time period, I started working with two guys, two white men that I hadn't met in person. They, they, but I, I had researched them and they were very professional venture capitalists. Okay. And so I had told them what I was trying to do. I'm trying to raise a fund for underrepresented founders. And they, they, you know, they saw dollar signs, which is smart. And so I said, okay, I'm, it's my fund and I'm, you two are going to work with me on it. And the very first day we had a call. They didn't know where I was. I was in a rental car outside of that hotel, just kind of with a notebook. But we had this call and we were going to go into like forming the uh, LLC and, you know, moving things forward. And they talked over me. Mm. They wouldn't let me say anything. And I thought to myself in that moment, I thought they think that I'm here to get them coffee. They don't understand that I created this. So the next day I told them it was off. I told them that my instincts told me it just wasn't going to work. And thank goodness I had that fortitude and that risk-taking ability because it was people would have thought I was crazy they had money they had stability they had experience but I knew in my gut that it was not going to be pleasant for me or for them probably because we would butt heads and also it wasn't the vision yeah the vision had to stand because it was so important and look at us we're at 200 companies if you go to backstagecapital.com and you look at our portfolio uh, we invest in women across the board. We invest in people of color of all uh, um, orientations and genders, and we invest in LGBTQ founders. Look at our portfolio. It's beautiful. It's yeah. Beautiful- and imagine if I had said to myself, oh, well, oh, you didn't go to college or you don't have any money or you don't have any the right clothes. Who cares? <laughs> you Who just got to go for it. And I, I will take this moment to to shout out that I do also understand that I, although I went through a lot of hardship my whole life, I also uh, had the privilege of, I was in a privileged position because I did not have children. So I know that I want to shout that out because I know that some people wouldn't have been able to take the risks that I took in that moment because of that. You know, it says so much about you. You are a black woman. You are a queer woman. And you wanted to make sure that you knew you were privileged because you didn't have kids. Like, yeah, I, I feel like I could, like, I know it's emotional cry right now because you, most people don't even acknowledge their privilege. Right. And then here you've had two things that marginalize you, but you're still looking at, well, I do have this one privilege and I want to point it out. Yeah. I just think it says a lot about you. Thank you. We all yeah, have privilege. Yes. Yes. And this is something to point out. We all have privilege. Privilege is not a bad word. Use privilege for, to help other people. The bad word is entitlement. Mm. Privilege is something that we are given or handed because of who we are, where we are, circumstances. Entitlement is something you go out and try to get yourself, that you procure yourself. And you have to be, you have to work hard to be entitled. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, privilege, we all have it. I have, you and I have a privilege. We get to stand up right now and walk across the room. Absolutely. That's privilege. That's amazing privilege. Yes. So very true. I love that the way you put it. We are online marketers, which means we have unique needs. And there are so many options out there for paid media. Sometimes it's hard to figure out where should you go to reach your ideal audience. But here's the thing. Have you thought about LinkedIn ads? 
LinkedIn ads empowers marketers with solutions for you and your customers, and it allows you to build the right relationships and drive results and reach your customers with meaningful content. You do not want to sleep on LinkedIn ads. And here's the thing, 79% of content marketers said LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. I hear it from so many of my peers, and I know you're doing important work. And with that, you want to make sure that the work you're doing is getting in front of the right people. And that's what LinkedIn ads will allow you to do. So let your marketing efforts connect with the right audience and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. So if you go to linkedin.com slash Amy, you can get that $100 credit. So that's linkedin.com slash Amy. Terms and conditions apply. I know you're focused on marketing and selling your digital products, but I know many of you also have physical products and I wanna talk about Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is a user-friendly commerce platform that helps you, my dear online entrepreneur, build an online store and make more sales at any stage of your business. They're the force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other businesses at every size. Let me tell you why Shopify is an online entrepreneur's dream platform. It's because it helps turn your browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout experience. In fact, it converts 36% better compared to other leading e-commerce platforms. Yeah, loving that. And I don't know about you, but as an online entrepreneur, my customer's experience, especially when it comes to checking out, is so important. Plus, not only do they support your customers, they support you as the entrepreneur. Shopify's award-winning help desk is there to support your success through every question and every step of the way. There's a reason Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash made easy, all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash made easy now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash made easy. So I want to go back to your mom. I remember watching something on social media. I think you were talking about South by Southwest. And how you and your mom did something before you were ever invited to speak there. Can you tell that story? Yes. So, and that when I, after I made the decision to start a fund, I started reaching out to people, trying to get investments. And it was, you know, it was, it was a bonkers proposal (laughs) because you're saying starting this from scratch, nobody was thinking about diversity back then in that space, the way they do now. So we went to South by in Austin and I didn't have a ticket. I mean, there's no way I was going to have a ticket because I couldn't afford lunch most days. But we did get a rental car. We were able to get a rental car. And I took my mom and my mom, I mean, I took her to Austin. And I said, I'm, I'm just going to try to like walk up to people or find people or see if someone is speaking and try to stand outside of the room, whatever it takes. So my mom was like, okay. <laughs> so we didn't have a place to live at that point because we had been in hotels and different people's couches but we had the rental car. So I, I thought that I was going to be able to like hustle some cap, some cash. And, do, you know, I was a fast typer. I thought I would be somebody's, you know, assistant for the day. Couldn't make it work. Couldn't put the money together. So we ended up sleeping outside of a hotel mm-hmm. in the parking lot with my mom, who at the time was in her late 60s. And she slept in the front seat with the back. I slept in the back. And it was so cold. So I went into the front desk and I I said, we don't have a room here, but we're sleeping out in the parking lot. So they would know and we wouldn't get in trouble. And yeah. I said, can you just give us a blanket? Like, and they were like, no, we can't do that. And I said, just can just like one blanket. <laughs> so we, they gave us a blanket okay. and we shared this blanket across the, 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 the car. And then the next day, same thing. I went back out and walked around and tried to talk to people and tried to meet with people. And I did meet with some people and, you know, it, it, we did that for like the two or three days that the, the interactive was going on and nobody knew and it was what we did. And um, I don't know what you heard, like what interview it was, but I can tell you that 2022, the South by we just went to. Yeah. Talk about we that. Went with 35 people from my two teams from backstage and runner. I spoke five times. 
I filmed my own television show and, and, um, we, you know, we, 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 you know, bought out essentially a floor of a hotel. Wow. I didn't hear that part. Yeah. That is fantastic. I just saw you speaking and I heard you say like, I came here when I didn't have a home and didn't have a ticket. Now I'm invited to speak five times. That's incredible. You were a big deal at this last one. I saw you all over social media, people posting about you. It's just incredible. I love to talk to people who were able to rise above and make a million wonderful things happen when on paper, no one would have ever probably bet on you in that way. Yeah. And I love that you prove so many people wrong, which is incredible. Yeah. Um, but I want to talk about this investing because there's some people listening that will never, you know, take investors or invest in that way. But there are definitely people listening that are wondering, like, how do you even seek out investors? Like, how do you know if you and your business are a good candidates for seeking out investors? Yeah, I mean, I, I love this question. I love talking to people about it because I think people have more power than they realize already. And so I'm a big fan of um, ownership and keeping as much ownership of your company as you can for as long as you can. So being non-dilutive, meaning not taking on money just because you think you should or because you can. Mm. I'm also a big fan of bootstrapping and being creative, so much so that when I started my new company, Runner, in September of 2021, I bootstrapped it the first two months because I preach about that. So why wouldn't I try it myself? There's definitely different reasons that you would go out and seek capital. And there's a lot of research you could do. You said you talked about uh, NFTs. Did you go out and try to buy an NFT without looking at any videos or reading no. anything or going to some conference? I bet you researched the heck out of that yes. before you put a diamond. And that's people think, well, I'm, ta- I'm getting money. So isn't it, shouldn't I just take whatever I can? No, because you have the value in the asset of the company. Your ownership of the company, which starts at 100, is so valuable that it is like it is truly exchanging currency. And so you can't just go out and, and, and not research for yourself. So I can tell you all kinds of tips and tricks and I have all kinds of courses and things like that. But ultimately, it comes down to truly knowing how much money you need to make the, the next milestone happen mm. and what it means when you reach that milestone. What does it mean for your company? And something that I often ask people to do, whether I'm talking to them in a large group or I'm doing like paid consulting or whatever it turns out it is, yeah. like, you know, and I'm talking millionaires come to me and ask me questions like this, right? What I tell them to do is say, okay, you, you just told me that you need X amount of money. Let's call it $500,000. You've just told me you need that amount of money. Why do you need it? Well, marketing and uh, distribution and manufacturing. Okay, cool. Put pen to paper or, you know, that's my old school, put pen to paper or go to your computer or whatever <laughs> and t- type out line for line what you need for each line and then decide, is there something that you could do yourself? Is there something that you could do in a cheaper way or a different way or more creative way? And kind of chisel that down. People often, like more times than not, maybe 80, 90% of the time, they come back to me and they're like, actually, it would only take 100000 And I thought I needed 500000 because I, I saw it in the TechCrunch article or I saw it on this, you know, this person's blog. Well, they're not running your company. And so what did you just do if you took something that you thought you needed five hundred k to one hundred k? you have just given yourself four hundred k in value. So you've already, it's as, if, it's as if you went to a dinner with someone and raised $400,000. That's as, as powerful as what you just did. And on top of that, you get to keep more ownership of the company for longer. Mm. So that's the very first thing I would tell someone to do is not, before you even attempt to raise or learn about fundraising, get dialed in on what you truly need and what the ver- versus what you think you need. That's huge. That's huge. And let's say someone was going to start, to, they, they took your advice. And I love that you have digital courses because, you know, I teach how to do yes. digital courses. So I love that you have digital courses as well. So let's say someone did their homework. What do they need to do to really stand out? Like to be a very 
sexy business that someone would want to invest in? What are some things that they need to think about? You, it's, it all comes from a, like the core of authenticity. So there's nothing that you can do to kind of pretend to be great. But I would say if, you, you know, take what you have right now and, and just dial in to the, like lean into what's great about your company. The best thing you could do is show an investor, hey, we're making money. <laughs> like that would be awesome. That's what I look for, for sure. We're making money. It may not be in the millions. It may not be in the hundreds of thousands, but every month we make $8,000 and we do it consistently and it costs us less to keep the company going. Like those types of things where the prop, there's actual profit early on. That's really yeah. interesting because it's hard to, that's really almost impossible to do. But those types of things are really big. But if you don't have like a revenue generating company just yet, um, may, like waitlist, like have you been able to launch uh, a splash page that has an incredible waitlist of hundreds or even thousands of people who want what you're selling, your service or your product? If you do, and if you can get any information about them that's general, that's data, like sharing that with a potential investor, angel investor, or even a, a, a fund manager, you're trying to make them jealous. You're trying to make them feel like they're missing out and give them the FOMO. You're, tr you're trying to do that because, and again, it's not about like faking, like right. pretending and making something up, but it's about taking what you already have and framing it in a way that lets them see the value of it and lets them see the full picture. So I'm always like, you know, I don't need you to walk into a, a, a meeting or a Zoom and have a million dollars a month in revenue. I don't need that for me to be interested, but it would be cool to see we have 2,000 people on this wait list who, if only we had the funds and we could manufacture this at scale, they would be ready and they've said it. Even better, step further, they put their credit card down and they said that, you know, they, they, they pre-ordered or they would pre-order. And they've actually taken their, their card out of their wallet. Like th these small things that we're used to th learning about um, really translate kind of well to, to investors mindset. And there's just, you know, there's a ton there for, for sure. When you were talking, it made me think, did, have you seen the, I think it's maybe Apple TV. Have you seen We Crashed? Oh yeah. I've seen. Okay. We I was so hoping you seen it. What? Okay. So for those of you who haven't seen it, go watch We Crashed. Yes. It's, it's really it's very good. Very good. And I know not all of it's true, but I've heard that a lot of it is. Yep. So that was yep. interesting to me. So he does a lot. He gets a lot of investors in. And I was it's about curious. WeWork. Yes. It's about WeWork. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah. Uh, I'm so curious from your vantage point, what do you think was his biggest fatal flaw? Because I'm going to, I'm going to give it away. Have earmuffs if you don't want to hear this, but yeah. things came kind of crashing down for him. Yeah, I, but, mean, the, I mean, the, the title kind of tells you. alert happened in real life. So yes. it's okay. It's true. It's okay. I think that he, he got too high on his own supply. It can be easy to, especially if you struggled in the past, like it seemed like he had, he'd struggled. He hadn't really picked up on good things happening for him. It can get easy to get really enamored and intoxicated buy a lot of money in your bank account or your company's bank account. A lot of people thinking that you're a genius, quote unquote, and to just take that and just float away on that little bird, and, you know, go off in the sunset. But then, you know, you get too close to the sun when you do that. Right. So and true. I think for him, he had a few. That's one that he just thought he was. I've heard this too, outside of the, of the show that he did compare himself to Jesus. He thought he was a godlike person. Wow. And that you can't, you can't think that about anything and be okay, really. So and true. then I saw him talk about, and again, this is in real life and on the show, on the show, they talked a lot about their employees, which was, which is a good thing. And they talked a lot about themselves, but how raising that money was so good for them. But they, and they had these big wild parties for their employees. Again, oh. great. But I never saw them just falling over backwards, bending over backwards for their customer. Never. That's and I was a customer. A point. I, I was, was too. Yeah, yeah, I was a customer for in three different locations. And again, you see this a lot in like um, uh, fundraising articles. You'll see we raise this, and now what we can do is we can do X, Y, Z. I pay really close attention to how they phrase it. And maybe we can even do one for mine, right? Go look at the runner TechCrunch article. Hopefully I said this, right? It, which is 
this money gives us the ability to help our customer more. Yeah. And I don't think he cared. I think he cared about looking cool and being um, included. And he had been excluded. He had a chip on his shoulder, which is great for an entrepreneur. But you got to have that fork in the road decision of, am I going to be a, an even cooler person when I get rich? <laughs> or am I going to be a, a worse person and, a, you know, amplify that side of it? So, yeah. yeah. It was phenomenal. It's definitely worth a watch, you guys. I'm saying so. Jared Leto and Anne Hathaway, they killed oh, that. They killed, killed it. You know what? I'm going to say something really quickly about that. Yeah. I normally, so I love Jordan Catalano and my so called life. And I love um, a lot of things that Anne Hathaway is in. But this is my own sort of bias. I, for the both of them, I thought they were sort of like stuck up people. Yeah. And in order to do those characters of people who are so stuck up, <laughs> Yes. You have to have a lot of self-awareness to yes. play them. And so I was just like, they had to deconstruct themselves, especially Jared, had to deconstruct them, their own ego to come back and form these new people. And I thought, man, if they if they don't get a, like an Emmy uh, nod, I hope wrong. Yeah, something's I totally wrong. agree. Phenomenal work. I thought it made me like both characters or actors even more. After yeah, it's I, I agree. Yeah, that was that was good stuff. Tell everybody what Runner is. Oh, Runner is my new fractional uh, operations company for inclusive companies. So essentially, we match EAs, chiefs of staff, uh, COOs, five different categories of operations talent specifically to companies and customers of all sizes. So you can be a solopreneur who has just put your website up and you need some extra help uh, five or 10 hours a week. Or you can be, you know, a, a top 10 company in the country and we have them as customers too. It's almost like if you think about when you order food or you order a car, mm-hmm. uh, imagine by this, um, you know, a few weeks from now, imagine you could take out a, uh, your, an app, the, your phone, and you need an assistant to work with you on an event for a day. You could oh. have that event, that person ready to go on that Saturday or that Tuesday, either in person and they're handing out flyers and they're setting up your tables and they're doing that or a uh, hybrid or remote where they are now your executive assistant for seven hours a week. And they're helping you go through your emails and clear that clutter out. And it gives you more time with your customer and your strategy and et cetera. Yes. So there's just, yes there's a that. lot to it. If you go to hirerunner.co, you can check it out. Hirerunner.co. Okay. Yeah, we also have, okay, this is fun. We have a soap opera. Did you know that? What are you talking about? <laughs> we have an audio soap opera at Runner that is like fully produced, like SAG I'm actors. here for this. <laughs> what? Go to go to hirerunner.co, scroll okay. down a little bit. You'll see our full-on soap opera, immersive. It feels like you're there. So if you do it, listen on headphones. Yeah. It feels like you're in the car. It feels like you're at the party. It That's feels like love. it's so great. And um, it's a whole story of how it came to be, but. It's very cool. Okay. I need to check this out for sure. And while you were talking about it, I was curious. I do not know the answer to this. Do you have a focus on diversity for this business or it's just, this is what the business is? I tell you, you know, when we we set out, that's a good question because you would think based on the the fun that we would. Mm -hmm. But what we've learned over the past decade is that you don't necessarily have to have the mandate to just look for great talent and find diversity. That's the point is like opening the lens. So we don't specifically say that you need to be a woman, a person of color, LGBTQ to work there or to be a customer. What we say is we find outstanding talent for inclusive companies. So the talent comes to us through, we've had 1700 applications so far since September without you know, a big campaign. Yeah. And when you get, we get on the monthly calls with our runner, we have a pool of 200 runners who are all W2. I mean, check it out as a customer, but check I'm it out interested. as a runner. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's good stuff. So you're W2, you have all this. When we get on those calls, you see people of all ages, all backgrounds, cool. and it's mostly women, but there are a few men. Um, but it's just really like, it's really open. And then on the inclusive side, for the customer, what we love about that, what I love about the phrasing is that they're self-identifying. So they're saying, I want to be an inclusive company. So I am looking here for, you yes. know, for what you're bringing to me. So that's, to me, that's really powerful. 
I agree. I absolutely love that. Okay. For our company, we will be checking it out for sure. That's awesome. Um, Tell me about, so if you talk about backstage capital, tell me two or three of your, like some of your favorite companies you've invested in. I want people to kind of understand like what it, what it's like. Yeah. So we, we run the gamut. We're called uh, industry agnostic. And so that means that we can look at almost any different type of company. So I'll talk about curl mix. Like I'll talk about curl mix, Akash and mommy really quickly. Curl mix. They actually mixed. They used to mix ingredients in their kitchen. It's a black couple in Chicago. They've had two kids since they started. I met them before they were making 10000 a month in revenue. Something about them struck me. We, in, we were their first investor. They now are going to do $10 million in revenue this year. <laughs> they turned down Shark Tank because it was a bad deal. They're worth way more than they ever were. They do more than their Shark Tank bump on a regular basis. So cool. These these days. Ballers. And they're just amazing people. Um, there's a whole story there. I'd love to introduce you because they're really, really cool people. Yeah. Um, Akash is like this guy. So he's a black man. He's, I'm going to call him this. And this is with all the love in the world. He's kind of nerdy. Like that's yeah. how I look at it. And I hope that's not offensive, but no. he's, he's just a genius, right? And he developed this technology using, um, uh, fake diamond technology. It's crazy. And it keep, what it does, it's going to, we're going to take you from hair care to space because okay. what it does is it keeps objects in space cooler longer so they can stay up there longer and they can get closer to the sun and closer to the at- different parts of the atmosphere. What? And so what he's doing is he's building um, satellites for broadband. So he's going up against Elon Musk and SpaceX, essentially they're different parts of SpaceX where it's not rockets, but it's satellites and the internet we're using right now and the internet we use on planes Etc. He wants to take that broadband to more places around the world who can't get them, uh, can't reach, get reached, you know, small cool. villages and things like that, and also make it super strong for the ones who can, so that we can be competitive. You yes. Know? And and so to me, he's just he's just the coolest guy, and and cool. um, you know, you'll you'll see a lot more about him soon. And then mommy, mommy is Melissa Hanna. She's a a, a woman of color. In Los Angeles. And the cool thing, so what she's doing is it's M-A-H-M-E-E. And it's for mothers from the moment they know they're pregnant till after they give birth. Okay. And it, I call it like an on-star for mothers. So it's sort of like it helps you with different things. It helps you like with education. It helps you with um, lactation. It started her, uh, uh, Melissa's mother herself is like this renowned lactation expert. Linda, and she's a co-founder of it. So it start it helps a lot with lactation practices and all sorts of things you need as a new mother that they don't teach you. You kind of leave that, you know, again, I'm speaking from inexperience, but I'm on their board and I've been with them for years. And so, you know, people leave the the hospital and they're like, okay, where's the manual? And yes. mommy's the manual. I know many girlfriends who are yes. like, you're making me walk out this door with this baby? Like yeah. what? Yeah. yeah. So mommy is the manual. So if you already know that you're pregnant, you would go check it out. Or if you've just recently had a baby, you're just hearing about it, you would go check it out. The cool thing is that a few years ago, just like 2019, I think, I became the the lead investor of their last round and I brought in Mark Cuban and Serena Williams as investors. And okay, so like I remember they have this you brought them in, but I didn't know it was for this one. Yeah. So they had this power power panel, you know, and a lot more too, like really amazing people who have come in. And you'll hear a lot of more about them too, for sure. So the, I mean, it just runs the gamut. We just have yeah. that over and over again, like what? They do what? And they do that too. And it's can so you imagine? Cool. Five, six, seven years ago, people were saying that they didn't exist and that they weren't viable investments. Hmm. Now, you wanted to ask me about Janet, so I'm not going to let you forget. Yeah. Okay. You've <laughs> got to tell me, right? If you, well, I know a little because I follow you on social, but tell everybody what happened with the whole Janet Jackson thing. It's so cool. And I have a question that follows, but you go first. Okay. So one thing to quickly know about Janet is that she's my favorite singer. When I was 13, I actually saw her in the front row. Because someone, like it ended up being her husband at the time, but someone came up to me, saw that I was there early. It's a whole thing, like, you know. Whoa. Yeah, it's a whole thing. So it's in my book, It's About Damn Time. I have this whole chapter about it. But essentially, I was 13. My mom couldn't afford to get me two tickets so, to, so she could go. So she stayed outside in our little car. 
It's a lot of car stuff with my mom. She sat outside the whole thing. She was terrified for me to go in there. So she put these hoop earrings on me so that I would look older. She put oh lipstick on me so I'd look God. older. That is and adorable. I, I know. So I went in and I sat down and I was just like waiting and looking around. And I saw these two other teenagers that are a little bit older than me, but they were very worldly. And I, you know, I had to be part of that. And we were just so excited. And so this guy comes up to us and he's like, you all seem like big fans. You're here early. And we we're like, yeah, we love Jan. She's awesome. And he's like, well, how would you like to see her in the front row? Now, mind you, we were far back because we couldn't afford great tickets. So, it's like, so I stood up as the 13-year-old me who my mom had, pre- had prepped me. And I said, look, mister. My mom told me about people like you. So I'm not going <laughs> That's anywhere. what I was thinking. Like, this <laughs> yeah, is a stranger. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm not going anywhere with you. And then he said, okay. You know, I remember his little grin. He said, okay, well, how about this? How about I give you the tickets? We walk together to the front. You keep your tickets that you have. So if I'm lying to you, just come back and sit down. And we all looked at each other and we're like, ah, sounds like a good deal. Let's okay. go. <laughs> so we we're like, okay. And we started walking. Like, it would be a good story. Or be, we, could, we could just joke on this guy. So we kept walking and getting past more and more people who were ushers and more and more people and nobody was stopping us. Then we get to the very front and I'm looking around and I'm seeing, I've never seen anything like this. And the person not only lets us through, but like gives the guy like a heads up, like a head nod, like he's legit. And so we go and he's like, fun. And he just disappears into the ether. Wow. Well, it turns out that at the time he was her husband. He turns out to be Renee Elizondo, who is like someone I ended up knowing for years. Uh, it's her husband. And he would just go out and find because he knew that she needed a certain energy in the front row for her. So he would go and find people he considered to be the biggest fans, quote unquote, of the night. Wow. And he would bring them to the front. And so can I tell you before I tell you the, the auction story? Yeah. That after that, not not until I could, but I started doing the same thing at Janet concerts. Oh, come on. Yeah, so I would go, I would buy more tickets than I was going to use. They were very good tickets. I would go into the nosebleed seats and I would bring people down. And one time I did this for this woman and she was with her mom and it was her first concert and she was my age and her mom was in her 50s or, or in her 50s or 60s, depending on when it was. And I did it's exactly the same thing happened. She's like, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> and I said, I know it sounds crazy, but I promise you, just take the, t- like, take the tickets, uh. keep your own ticket. Just it's there for you. So she went by herself. So her mom wouldn't have to walk the whole way. And then she called her. So she went down there and later in the night, I, cause it wasn't next to me. It was like down the row for me. And later in the night I saw her and her mom and she were just crying their eyes out. They were having the best time in the world. It was like the biggest deal. And I just kept doing it and I do it anytime I can. I do that for Janet and for other concerts because it just, it changed my life that night. Absolutely. And to be able to do that over and over again, I'll continue to. So that's the backstory. So coming back to now, May of 2021, I found out that Janet was doing a once in a lifetime auction of like 3000 items of her, like anything she's ever gotten for free or anything she made for music videos or, you know, awards, anything, because she didn't, I liked it because I thought it's great because she can't be buried with it, right? She right. can't take it with her. So she's going to, she did half to charity and, and not half, but she did a portion to charity and a portion to herself. Great. So yeah. I was down for it. It was in Beverly Hills. I live in West Hollywood. So it was perfect. I was down the road. So I found, I looked at the the list of things and I was like, okay, well, I'm a size 20, 22. She's a size negative four. So I don't think I'm going to necessarily, <laughs> you know, these, these outfits from her twenties are not yeah. going to necessarily work for me. Um, and I'm not so much of a fan that I would have just like her, her handkerchief, you know, right. on my wall. But I was like, what can I get that's practical? Well, in the middle, literally the centerpiece, which they call the centerpiece item, was a 1956 Chevy truck. And it was beautifully detailed, yes, beautiful look to it. And not only was this truck that was like a truck, I was like, oh, that's awesome. She had another vehicle, actually a cooler vehicle. But this was the only item of all 3,000 that came with a phone call with her. <gasps> I didn't the, know that part. Yes. <laughs> and the phone call, it said, was that she wanted to, in a private phone call, tell the buyer what the meaning of the truck was. So I was like, 
Yes. I'm going after it, even though I was for sure that I would not get it because although I had a large um, uh, cap on what I could do because it's my money, I thought there's no way I'm going to win this. Like, there's just no way because it was open to the whole world. Oh, yeah. So I go there. I go first. I go a day early for one of the days because it's three days. And I go with my wife and that real incognito just kind of scope out the place and I see how it works because I've never been at an auction before. So I wanted to see how it worked. And then I went back the next day for my item by myself, kind of made a day of it. And I just kind of casually went to the front, you know, when I, when I came in, I said, how does one um, do a deal that's like more than a couple thousand dollars or more than like, how does that work? Cause I don't know. Yeah. Did I give my debit card? Like, how does this work? You're right. <laughs> it's like, well, if it's over a certain amount, then you would fill out this form and we would get in touch with you and da, 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 and you would give your card to give us the understanding. So, okay. And I learned about the fees that they tack on top of it. So I would be prepared and all of that. Cause believe me, they tacked on fees. I bet. So I go sit down, um, go through a lot of different other ones. Cause I got there too early and then my truck comes up. And because I had been there for a couple of hours, I learned that Christina Aguilera and Kim Kardashian were their people were Stop auctioning it. on the phone. No. <laughs> they were bidding on the phone through proxy. And so there were very few people. And I mean, there were a lot of people there, but very few who were actually bidding because this is a lot of money, you know, yeah. so people are bidding on shoes. It was $700 and people would go crazy because, you know, it was like, oh my God. But on the phone, Kim Kardashian's buying the scream outfit for like 50 grand. So I'm like, I'm not going to get a truck if that's the case. And they're right. like, also like um, Japanese uh, business people who were doing, and I was like, I'm not going to get this truck, but I'm going to go for it. And yeah. this is what I thought truly. I thought, I have a ceiling, so I know what I can afford. Yes. And at the very least, I see that they're filming, so at least I can get, like, footage of me betting on Janet's truck. Like, that would be cool. So they they do it, and I'm a competitive person. I didn't realize this as, as much. <laughs> they get to my item, and every mind you, I'm by myself. Nobody has ever looked over at me and th- thought anything of I have on, like, my Janet um, sweatpants that I'm wearing right now. <laughs> <laughs> and there, and I'm wearing a T-shirt, and I I look like you know I just get strolled off, strolled in there without kind of like what's going on, but I did that on purpose, and uh, you know they start and there's video footage of this on my Instagram. Arlen was so here, good. and they start and I'm like competitive, and I'll tell you right now my my cap to myself was a base rate without the fee of a hundred thousand dollars. Okay, now also remember that before. 2015 i did not make more than twenty thousand in one year so this was this this was yeah that's a a, lot of money period this is a lot of money but it was also a moment for me it was like so it'll make sense when i when i say what happened next so they do the thing and then there's one buyer i still don't know who to to this day who that was but there was one person who was going back and forth because it was a high item so we get to what 60 then 70 then 80 and then i put my I put mine up again for 90 and I just knew that the person was going to say a hundred and then that would outbid me because I can't say 110 because oh. I'm not going over my base. Okay. They, I, didn't, they didn't say it. No, I got wait, the, you were that close. I was that close to my, to my ceiling Ugh. because although I could afford it, I had to be like, okay, well, yeah. What am I going to do with a 1956 truck? I got to be smart about this. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of rent I can play, pay for people. You know, I can't believe on. someone didn't just say a hundred. Like 100, that. hundred. If you got that far, well, if you were at 80, this is how I'm thinking about it. If you're at 80 and you know about those fees. Yes. Then you might, your ceiling might be a hundred with fees. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. the, the fees are like 20%. It's a lot of money. Jeez. So I was at 90. So it turned out to be like, it was uh, 116, 114,000 total. So they said I was sold. Yeah. I jumped up. I was Worth so excited. It. And what I, you don't see on the video is because I've kind of threatened their lives. If they show this is <laughs> I, you can see a little, there's a couple of me crying, but I cried my eyes out. <laughs> like I, cried so I didn't see any much. of that. But so people were coming up to me and they were hugging me and they thought it was crying solely because I got Janet's truck. I was crying because I was having flashbacks to sleeping on the floor of the San Francisco airport. And I was like, I just bought my hero's faved truck, beloved truck 
for a hundred plus thousand dollars in an afternoon on a Sunday. Uh, I just, it, I was like this, I'm taking this in. I don't usually do that. I'm taking this one. So one other, other little piece of cool, cool note from that. A woman came over to me at one, or a guy came, a young guy came over to me at one point and he said, this woman here is actually Janet's assistant and she wants to talk to you. So I was like, what? (laughs) So I went over to her. She shows me her texting with Janet. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So she, so I got to see Janet's actual reaction and what she had said. I love that you got it. So what, what it's, what she said was just bought, she said the price. And, and Janet, she said the price and Janet said, oh, that's so great. You know, like happy. And then she said, it was a black woman that got it. And Janet was like, oh my God, like learn about her, get information about her. And then, you know, I don't know what they ended up saying after that. And then I had um, my call with Janet a few weeks later. That had to have been so cool. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, it I won't cool. ask you what you talked about, but I will. No, say I can't say, but I will say that I felt really comfortable. And she was cool as hell. I bet. I bet. I love her. I watched her latest documentary. Loved everything about it. Yeah. Such a cool story and such a full circle moment. And the funny thing is what I saw on social is when you got it, you were like, yeah, like it was, I knew you were. Oh, I was competitive. Oh, that's how I am. So I'm like, oh, I I was so happy I got that. And I'm like addicted now. I want to go and do other stuff like that for sure. It it was really, really fantastic. I love that story so very much. It's so good. Um, Okay. So I just, I have one more question for you. And when this episode comes out, it's going to be Pride Month. Mm -hmm. And so I was curious, what can we do as... I mean, it's such a big question as a society, but even like people in my industry or people listening right now, what can we do to better support and elevate the community of LGBTQ plus entrepreneurs? I would hope the same thing you would do for any entrepreneur you want to see win. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's definitely, from, I mean, from the queer perspective and, you know, when I was growing up, lesbian perspective, there's definitely things that we deal with that other people don't deal with. But at the end of the day, we're human. We're trying to start our company. And I think looking at us and and manage our company and think looking at us as like your peers is the best compliment and the best way forward. And there's not a lot of heavy lift when you have, when you think of it that way, it's not a lot of support. It's a lot of, okay, I'll be competitive with you. I'll be, um, uh, you know, supportive of, of you in a way that is like, I'll buy from you, you know, I will, I will be a customer of yours. I'll be a brand partner of yours. Those types of things I think are really strong messaging too for other people. So there's always differences among us, but like focusing on our, our similarities, I think is like that respect that people overlook. Absolutely. Such a beautiful way to put it. This has been such a treat. I got to hear things from you that I hadn't heard yet. I love your stories. I love your journey. And so where can people learn more about you? Where do we send them? Yeah. Twitter and Instagram is where I spend most of my time. Arlen was here. A-R-L-A-N was here. I'd love to hear from you, talk to you all day long, do it all day. Also go to hirerunner.co, H-I-R-E runner.co. Check out the soap opera. Check out what we're doing. Um, I think it's going to help a lot of people, and I'm I'm so excited about what's to come. It's a very fast growing company as well, so you might see some headlines there coming up this year. Cool. And then backstagecapital.com is where you'll see our 200 portfolio companies, our team that's like amazing team all over the country, and we're going to be everywhere. We're going to pop up places and, and meet with people and. I can't wait to do that. And I have a new podcast that I'd love to ask you to be on, but I'll, yeah? I'll do oh, that. Oh, I'd one. love to. Yeah. What's it called? <laughs> it's called Demystifying Faith. Okay. And I'm an atheist and it's and I'm speaking to people from all different types of faith, not every faith, but all different types of faith about like a deep dive about their faith or their lack thereof. And it's been really beautiful. It's been okay, a beautiful that experience. would be great. I was raised Catholic. I don't practice it anymore though. So I would love to get into that conversation with you. All I have to do is if you listen to one or two episodes, I think you'll okay. get like the, the gist of it. And okay. I'll take I a think people would sure. love to hear from you. 
That's so cool. I love that you have this podcast that's totally different than what you're doing. Yep. You, you chase your passions. And yes. that's my most favorite thing about you. You're yes. a perfect example of that. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much. So there you have it. I hope you loved this conversation. It was one that I was really looking forward to. And to me, it went better than I even expected. I love all her stories. I love what Arlen said about privilege. I thought that was really eye-opening, but just everything she shared was incredibly valuable. I didn't say this in the intro, but I am a proud investor in Backstage Capital. I invested over a year ago and I'll continue to invest. And I really do think she's doing something extra special. I highly encourage you to check it out. And speaking of checking things out, on my Instagram today, you can go, I posted a list of LGBTQ plus owned businesses. And I want to encourage you to head on over there. And I'm just at Amy Porterfield on Instagram, so you can find me easily. And just check out these businesses and what they have going on. I mean, that last question I asked Arlen, where she said, basically just treat us as an equal and buy our stuff and engage with us and have the conversations and compete with us and all of that. Well, we got to know who these people are, what they're all about, what their businesses are about. And I want to highlight them so we can do just what Arlen said. And so I will list some of my favorite companies. And I think it's important that we celebrate and elevate the LGBTQ plus community during Pride Month. But really, I mean, let's be honest, all year round. And I know that's one of our missions at this company, and I hope it's one of yours as well. Okay, my sweet friends, thank you so much for joining both Arlen and myself. I cannot wait to see you next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now.